Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. It's weird, it smells, and it's embarrassing. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Hour number four of this four-hour extravaganza, the Mackey and Judd show. Those guys on vacation until early next week. It's Darren Doogie Wolfson. It's Joe Schmidt, 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department. We'll get back to Game 7 last night, Joe. But continuing the Twins talk, remember last year... They were uber-aggressive on Jason Castro. He was the one free agent. They said, let's go get him. Yep. It was like mid-November that they signed him, maybe like November 20th, but give or take a few days. They were super-aggressive on Jason Castro, also led by his agent, Fred uh, Ray, saying, you know, let's get this done early. So he had a bunch of offers, you know, the Braves and the Rays. He had a bunch of offers, snap the fingers. Baseball free agency starts here in... What, four days? Five days? It's yep. five days after the completion of the World Series. I don't know if that includes the weekend, but next week. Next week, baseball free wow. agency starts. Wow. I mean, do you think there is a guy? Is the potential out there that Falvey and Levine have one guy in mind, presumably an arm, whether it's a reliever or a starter, but some guy where they make a really competitive offer that they sign a guy here by mid-November? Well, they've got their pitch framer. Now they just need to someone to pitch it in the frame, you know. I mean, uh, that that was they went after Castro because they saw a need. They knew that he would improve the team in that area defensively. Uh, he didn't bring a lot with the bat, but uh, you know, I would imagine. My guess is they do have somebody targeted, and maybe a couple because the trouble with pitching is you have to overpay in pitching in the free agent market. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, the Twins would always kind of be patient in the Terry Ryan era. You know, they would be patient to see where the market goes. And and, and I, I like the idea of if you got somebody in mind, go after them, find out yes or no right away. Because then you can go to your plan B and plan C and you can see how the market unfolds. So my guess is if you look on the history, and there's only one year of history to look at, is they've got somebody in mind and they'll go after them. I just wonder who it is. I don't know. You know, is it an under-the-radar type name? I mean, you think about, like, Charlie Morton. How good was he for the Astros last night? He was a free agent the Astros got early in free agency last year. Two years, $14 million. Had a good year, a bounce-back year. I mean, he was hurt in 2016. You know, good bounce-back year. Is there a guy like that? I mean, we're thinking the big names, the U Darvishes, the Way Davises. I would think those guys will wait a little bit. Maybe there's some under-the-radar arm that they'll target. You know, it's a major league deal, but it's not... Fifteen million a year. It's six million a year. Eight million a year. And I think that the bullpen market it has been progressing up. What you're paying for a bullpen pitcher now, but after seeing the playoffs, you know where where pitchers are only asked to go five if they're if they're really good six or seven innings. 
you know, I think the bullpen market's going to go up. I think you're going to be paying a lot more for a bullpen pitcher. So you may as well, if you got that guy in mind, go after, go out and get him now. Because I think that, unless I'm wrong, I, I think you're going to see some bullpen people get paid overpaid. It's a really good free agent reliever market. Yeah. I mean, Wade Davis, Greg Holland, you know, go up and down the list. I mean, Anthony Swarzak, former twin, had a good year. You know, guys like, you know, Jake McGee, Brandon Kinsler. Kinsler, yeah. Had a strikeout guy. But you would take Kinsler if the money was right as a seventh inning guy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a bunch of guys, but I also still fall back to the line of thinking that relievers are cyclical. Like, you can find guys on minor league deals. We talked off air about Brian Dunsing having this great year for the Cubs. You know, you think about some of those guys. I mean, even, I get it, he's a lefty specialist, but a couple years ago, the Twins signed Fernando Abad. You know, then they're able to flip him. The prospect didn't work out in that trade with the Red Sox. You know, Blaine Boyer a few years ago is a minor league contract guy. You can find guys on minor league contract deals that, that end up, you know, maybe they're not eighth or ninth inning guys, but they can be really good. Hey, Kinsler was a minor league contract, right? Yeah. Well, and look at this. You know, you've got Shagwa, Birdie, some of those guys who have good arms down in the minors who got hurt this year. I mean, how much can you rely on those guys? And then, and. By using 35 pitchers this year, the Twins did get a look at some potential bullpen help. You know, so they they probably got a book on some of these guys where they think, you know, you you mentioned Trevor May coming back from an injury. So if May starts, what does that do with you know with that pitcher who maybe would have started there? So, you know, I I think they're I don't think they're desperate for pitching, but I do think they've got to add to it. Do you think they'll add to the offense at all? I mean, you can make a case where DH. I mean, would you go after a Carlos Santana? Falvey knows Santana really well. Santana can DH for a year. Then he's the first baseman, right? Joe Maurer isn't back, in my theory right now. Isn't back in 2019. Joe Maurer entering the final year of his deal. Now, heck, if you can have 2017 Joe Maurer, you'd keep him for the next few years. You figure he'd give you a hometown discount just to play his entire career with his hometown team. But you could draw up a plan where Joe Maurer isn't here in 2019. Sign Carlos Santana now. DH plus he would play some first base. Then he's your full time first baseman in 2019. I hadn't thought about DH. You're right. They 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 could use a little pop there because they basically have had kind of the fast little defensive outfielder, you know, an on base guy, and that's fine. That's a good player to have on your bench, but I'm not sure that helps you as a DH. I I disagree with you on the theory that if uh, if Mauer's not here with the team in two years, I think the first baseman is now on third base. Or he's in the minors. What about this Rooker kid? The kid yeah. they took from Mississippi yeah. State? Yeah. Wasn't he their minor league player of the year? If he wasn't, he was one of their minor league players of the year. They sign him. Boom. Next thing you know, he's at single A, just tearing it up. This Rooker kid's going to be here really soon. Yeah, he was a college kid who they knew was not that far away. So that I hadn't thought about that one. I mean, that's that's the idea. I mean, you think about the Houston Astros in 2011 taking George Springer, top 15. The Twins had a late round you know, first-round pick because they had such a good 2010. You know, the Twins took George Springer out of high school. They liked him along the way. I mean, they just they had no chance to draft him in 2011. But George Springer, University of Connecticut, the Astros took him thinking, hey, he won't be here in 2011, but he can be here relatively soon. Lo and behold, he's now a you know quasi-superstar. If he's not a superstar, he's a star, right? I mean, that's the idea. So with Rooker, I think he's here, heck, middle or end of next year. If not next year, 2019. So maybe he's your guy at first base. 
Yeah. And, and once once again, uh, don't forget that Joe Maurer batted 300 and was still one of the toughest outs in baseball. He you was know, fantastic. Yeah, Joe Maurer, you know, was should have been in the final three for the Gold Glove, whether mm-hmm. he won it or not. So so don't underestimate that Joe Maurer was very productive this year. He's not going to be the power hitter he was in the Metrodome and and when he was before all the injuries. That's just not going to happen because that fly ball he hits to left field that used to go out in the first or second row is now caught on the warning track. So. It, um, but he he was as good a hitter as the Twins had yes last year. I mean, I'm just, with you. Yeah, a All tough right. out. Yeah. So would you do this? Would you play this thing out if you're Falvey and Levine, or would you go to Maurer's representation here in the next handful of weeks and say, "Hey, here's a two year, twenty million dollar extension. We'll pay you ten million dollars in 2019. We'll pay you ten million in 2020. Take it or leave it." Would you offer him an extension right now? Or do you say, you know what, that might have been a mirage here this year. Let's play this thing out. Let's see what Joe Maurer gives us in 2018 before we commit to 2019 and 2020. I would wait on that. I don't think there would be any reason to to jump on it too early. But um, who knows what they're thinking? You know, it, it's very hard to figure out what their track record is when they only have one year as a track record. We haven't seen how how they process. A veteran player. We haven't seen them. They they didn't. Did they extend anybody this year, contract wise? Any player? No. I mean, Kinsler had interest in an extension. They wouldn't engage in that back and forth. No. No, they didn't. They didn't. Where you know Terry Ryan in the past would extend a guy that they knew was part Phil of the, Hughes go up and down the list. Right. Right. Some of them worked out. Some of them did not. And um, but uh, speaking of Phil Hughes. Well, he's another guy. I, I mean, is he back next year? Yes, absolutely. With all that money you're paying him? Yeah. Yes, I mean, I think he's your number four, number five starter. I mean, you think about it. You need, over the course of 162 games, nine starters. I mean, maybe not the 16 the Twins used this year, but you need eight, nine starters. Yeah. He's one of the eight or nine, and I would think he's one of your four or five to start the year. If he's healthy. He should be. Yeah. He's on a path to be healthy. I mean, the question is, is Trevor May in the bullpen or in your rotation? You tender Kyle Gibson. To me, I would try to sell high on Kyle Gibson. Find a team like the Padres, you know, fly ball, ballpark, you know, somebody that thinks Kyle Gibson can still be pretty good, you know, ceiling is like a number three starter. See if you can get a decent reliever for Kyle Gibson. I wonder if that's what they do, but they'll tender him. He's arbitration eligible, but I don't know if I see Kyle Gibson here next year. I think they try to trade him. Uh, that that's a that's a pretty interesting take, and I don't think it's a wrong take. That that's certainly a possibility, and he might be a guy or a change of atmosphere, a venue change would be good for him. Um, you just bring up, you got me thinking. What about we talked about Hughes? What about Perkins? Now we know they didn't, you know, they didn't pick up the option. They had to pay him eight hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars to to buy him out of his contract. If the Twins offer him a minor league deal, come and prove does he come back, or does somebody offer him a? Does somebody offer him a signing bonus? No. And say, Nobody's offering him a major league contract. I wouldn't think so. I either. would think he'll have his choice of minor league contracts. Right. Now, and does they, he want to go to Washington Nationals camp, fight for a job in March with the Washington Nationals? I doubt it. So I would think it's the Twins or he retires. But yeah, if I'm the Twins, there's no harm in bringing Glenn Perkins to Fort Myers in March, seeing what he has. But it has to be a minor league contract. You're not re-signing him to a major league deal. No, you'd be worried about even if he's even if he makes the majors and all of a sudden you, he's you got to boost him up to that major league contract. You got to worry about him getting hurt. You know he's he's been hurt a lot. 
All right, overall, how far away are the Twins from the World Series champions? All right, so the Astros win last night. In your mind, I mean, we saw what the Astros did here at Target Field midsummer. How far away are they? I think they're pretty far away. They don't have an ace. They don't have a closer. And they don't necessarily have a, a totally reliable setup relief. I mean, I think they're... I think their defense is good enough. I think their offense is probably good enough. But they're they're pitching. I mean, you you saw it. You need Justin Verlander. You know, you need take a look at any team that's won in the last ten years. You need that ace. Nothing against nothing against Big Irv, but Irv's not a number one guy. No, not at all. Heck, I think they would admit he's not a number one guy. Yeah, but you're okay having him back as your number two or number three. Maybe more so number three. And I guess the hope is Barrios jumps right. up to be the number two. Yeah, and and I think Barrios can make a jump. And, and he certainly at times looked like he someday could be a jump up to number one. I mean, he's got the stuff, and you know he learned a lot this year. He is on the trajectory that I think you want him on. He he def, def, definitely did not take a step back. He took a step forward. Did a lot of good things. Did a lot of the things right. Made made up uh, for some of the mistakes he made early in his career. So. If he makes that next step, he's on his way. All right, hang tight, Joe. When we come back, are we doing stuff? What are we doing? Questions of significant importance? Is it Matt Collar? You or is Collar still at his high-level luncheon? Questions coming up, Collar, in the segment to follow. Perfect. So a lot to get to in the next 45 minutes. Matt Collar, we can revisit some World Series talk, some Twins talk, and we've got questions of significant importance. It's 1500 ESPN. It's the TCL Broadcast Studios. It's Darren Doogie Wolfson. It's Joe Schmidt in for Mackie and Judd. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. That's right, sports fans. This is 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackie and Judd. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. We'll get to you in a second, Dave. How about that note I just saw on Twitter, Joe? George Springer in the playoffs after game one of the World Series, three for 30, struck out a bunch of times in game one. And then from games two through seven, you know, he's Babe Ruth. I mean, we know he's this, well, at least the potential of being this all-world player, George Springer, right? But, I mean, it's just, it's the wackiness of baseball, right? I mean, I've talked to Chris Jimenez, others about it. It's just some things you just can't explain. That's probably one of them. In three for 30 during the playoffs, you have to wonder if AJ was thinking about pulling him. I mean, really, it was the was the series too big for him? I mean, maybe, or when you face Chris Sale, yeah. Then you face all those Yankees pitchers. You were just facing really good arms where you figure, okay, it'll even itself out at some point. Although you were facing Kershaw and other good pitchers against the Dodgers, but you just figure this guy's got so much talent. You know, it's one of those slumps. I mean, every guy practically goes through some sort of three for 30 stretch during the regular season. This time it's magnified on the biggest stage possible. Well, I think the other thing is the reason Houston won this World Series, amongst other things, is they were. They did persevere. They were very persistent throughout the season. You know, the way they came back in game two and game five, you know, that has kind of been their mantra. So much like good hitting, perseverance can be contagious too. All right, Dave. Questions of significant importance. And I've got one about Carlos Correa that we'll get to in just a little bit for question number three. But let's start with the Vikings. By week here, the defense through eight weeks has been very, very good. If I lined up five different Vikings fans or media members and asked who the MVP of the defense is, 
I could get five different answers. Harrison Smith, Everson Griffin, Linval Joseph, Anthony Barr, Xavier Rhodes. Griffin has just been named NFC Defensive Player of the, of the Month for the month of October. He hasn't had a game without a sack. He's been good, but give me a ranking, boys. Give me a top three, three to one, as far as most important to the success of the Vikings defense so far. Joe, you can start. All right, this is awfully tough because there are a lot to pick That's why from. you're starting, yeah. I need to think. Um, <laughs> There's no wrong answer, really. Okay, That's do you want me to go 3-2-1 or yeah, how? Please. Okay, three, I'm going to go Linval Joseph. Um, Linval does a lot of dirty work that frees up a lot of the other defensive linemen to put pressure on the quarterback. He's also very good against the run. Uh, two, I'm going to put Everson Griffin. I mean, how are you possibly going to say anything about a guy who has 10 sacks in eight games and sacks in eight games in a row? Now, they do clear some space for him. They make it good for him to go rush the passer because he's very good at it. Number one, I'm going to say Xavier Rhodes. He hasn't made a lot of big plays because he hasn't had to. But when you look at the number of receivers and the quality of receivers he's been able to shut down this season, and when you, I mean, when is the last time the Vikings had a shutdown cornerback on the Deion Sanders scale? Because that's what he's playing at right now. So I'd go Xavier number one. All right, I'm the moron that's about to leave off both Harrison Smith and Everson Griffin. Wow. I've got Anthony Barr, number three. Oh. He's been so good this year. He didn't show up in Wait London. Wait until you see the money he signs for next March. Oh, I'm he, didn't, telling he, you. he didn't play in London. He didn't need to. He didn't need to, yeah. <laughs> I mean, heck, he's been a star, Joe. Anthony Barr, number three. Linval Joseph, number two. I can make a case Linval's number one. I'll put him two, though. And I'm with you, Joe. Xavier Rhodes. Number one. But yes, I am excluding Harrison Smith, who's brilliant, Everson Griffin, Daniil Hunter. I think sometimes we forget how good Eric Kendricks is. Yeah. Think about the way he plays the screen game. I mean, it's rare for him to miss tackles. Eric Kendricks, wait until you see the money he signs for next March. That is a really hard question, Dave, just to rank three. But I will go Rhodes one, Linval two, bar three. I don't ask easy questions. That's why they're significantly important. We talked a little bit of goal for basketball earlier. They're uh, having a little. Uh, exhibition game tonight, Concordia St. Paul at the barn. 15th is the preseason ranking. So with that in mind, yes, there's the injury to Eric Curry who won't be playing, but they're still very, very talented, obviously. Boys, give me what you think the ceiling is for the group. But more importantly than that, what's the bare minimum that would be acceptable? What's that bar if they don't achieve this? It's a complete failure of a season. I think you need to improve upon what took place last year. So you made it to the field of 68, but you didn't go anywhere after that. Now injuries, Hakeem Springs, Nate Mason. So I get it, but you were upset seed-wise in that first-round game. You need to exceed what took place last year. So you need to win at least one NCAA game. To me, though, find a way to get to that second weekend. So I guess that would be the Sweet 16. You have a good enough team. A veteran group, you bring in Isaiah Washington. Now, I won't claim to have deep knowledge this second of the Big Ten. Like, I know Purdue's good. I don't know how good they are, though. I know Michigan State is good. I just don't know how good they are. But you have every opportunity to finish, what, top four, top five in the Big Ten? Maybe top three, maybe top two. So to me, Joe, I guess ultimately find a way to get to that second weekend. Double your NCAA win total from the last 20 years. You have the one NCAA win a few years ago against UCLA. Double that win total. Get to two NCAA victories. Well, first of all, I think what they'll do this year, because there is some excitement, 
And it had happened at times last year, but I think it'll happen this year, is they're going to turn the barn into what the barn used to be. It's you the know, best, too, when it's electric. It, it is. And and I think you're going to see a, a lot more electricity in the barn this year than, than maybe you've had in the past few years, certainly than you had when Patino first started here. And I think that's going to make them a contender for the Big Ten title. So I would say anything less than a top three finish in the Big Ten and a Sweet 16 would be a disappointing season. You only get so many chances. I, you know, I always talk about when teams are in the window. They're in the window right now. Now, their window might be extended a little bit because they're bringing in some good recruits. And with that being said, you got to get that playoff experience. You got to know what it's like to go to that second weekend when everything ramps up. I can remember I covered the days when the Gophers went to the Sweet 16 a few times. It happens very quickly. It ramps up really high speed. And and if you're not ready for it, you can get pretty big eyes. And, uh, and, and everything has been ramped up since the last time the Gophers went to the Sweet 16 with the media, with national television, and so forth. I mean, is this the year, though, when you think about you know Reggie Lynch, senior, Nate Mason, senior, Amir Coffey has NBA aspirations. If Amir Coffey has a good year, I think he goes pro. Wow. So we could be looking at, next April, a team minus Coffey, Mason, Lynch. You know, you'd have a healthy Eric Curry back. I mean, you still got Murphy. I mean, you've got some guys. Isaiah Washington, I don't think he's good enough to go pro after one year. So you'd have some guys. Daniel Oturo of Creighton Darum Hall coming in next year. He's a stud. You know, Jarvis Thomas Orono, Gabe Kausher, D'Lessa. Those guys have a chance to be role players in my mind. But, yeah, I mean, they'll have some guys for 2018, 2019. But to me, it's all about 2017, 2018 with all these leaders, these veteran leaders. If Amir Coffey goes to the NBA, the Gophers will be in the Sweet 16. Sure, yeah. If he puts himself in a position, I mean, that's the aspiration. Yeah, There's enough talent there. I think Amir will make money. The question is, will he make money playing in Europe or in the NBA? And will it happen now or in three years? He will make money one day playing basketball, though. I think he will. I don't know if he's got an NBA body yet. He's working on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he looks like his daddy when he's done, he'll have an Oof. NBA body. Yeah. So. August 2016, Daniela Rodriguez threw out a first pitch before the Houston Astros game. Carlos Correa, a member of the team, said, hey, she looks pretty cute. I'd like to meet her. Those two soon began dating, and last night, as Correa was being interviewed on the field by Ken Rosenthal... And right now, I'm about to take another big step in my life. Daniela Rodriguez, you make me the happiest man in the world. Will you marry me? Will you marry me? And she says yes to the giant diamond ring he put on her finger. Congratulations. The simple question is, do you get engaged after winning the World Series live on national TV for love or endorsement money? Combination. I mean, certainly, though, the latter has to play a role, right? I mean, Correa, soon to be Mrs. Correa, they will be on what? Ellen DeGeneres. I mean, you name any talk show. It might be next week. But yes, there will be some lasting power to this, right? Remember the former Vikings running back? Played at Boise. Yeah. What the heck the was his name? Right? Yeah, he, he, he got engaged to the cheerleader. Johnson. Anyway, remember? Didn't he land some endorsement deal? He was in the national news. You can't help but think maybe it's the 
the Johnson. skeptic in me or the, you know, whatever you want to call oh, me. Guys, but, you, but yeah, there has to be some sort of endorsement tilt to this, right? He's going to make money off this. Yeah, you got to get more romantic than this, Doogie. This is all for love. This is all for, <laughs> I mean, on the same night you win the commissioner trophy, you win a trophy wife. That's not a bad way to go out. <laughs> hey, answer me this. Do we know, did he have the ring in his back pocket the whole game? Uh, that I would doubt. This is uh, the answer to that, actually. Oh, I've been thinking about it for, for months now, but I was waiting for the perfect opportunity. So, you know, we I knew we had a great team. We could accomplish this, and, you know, I wasn't wrong. One of the clubbies, I talked to him in the ninth inning, and I'm like, I don't want to jinx anything, but if we get the three outs, please bring me the ring because I, I, I'm going to get engaged in the ballpark. I got the clubby to go. Uh, it's almost it. like we scripted that, yeah. I guess that makes sense, right? There's no way you could have played the game with the ring in your back pocket. Hey, did you see the size of that ring? I did, yes. That's looked, why you were it, not playing the game. It would have looked like he had a tumor in his butt. Oh, hey, uh, by the way, um, she's a former Miss Texas. Oh, is she? That, oh. That's why she was throwing out the first pitch. And and in Texas, they, they, are, they usually are pretty... As a guy who's watched a beauty contest or two, I'm always... Taking a look at Miss Texas. <laughs> They're always quality. <laughs> it's a high quality there. I mean, I'm sure there's some negatives to being a celebrity like Carlos Correa, but can you imagine? I mean, August of 2016, you see this good-looking gal throwing out the first pitch, and you say, hey, I'd love to get her phone number. Next thing you know, you're going on a date. Next thing you know, you're engaged. I mean, just seriously, the beauty of life, I guess. Yeah. I th- <laughs> Wasn't the same for Doogie and Mrs. Doogie? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> just slightly different, yes. <laughs> But the, yes. the last time I was on the field for a first pitch, uh, still a, lover. a meatloaf was throwing out the first pitch. I didn't think about a diamond at that time. <laughs> Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> oh. All right, Matt Collar covers the Vikings for 1500ESPN.com. He has a story up right now. Where is it? It's right here. The headline is, are the Vikings, statistically speaking, a Super Bowl team? I guess we'll have Matt answer that next. It's Darren Doogie Wolfson. It's Joe Schmidt. We're in for Mackie and Judd. It's 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. Is it for charity at all? Uh, not that I know of. It's just somebody decided it would be fun. Mackie and Judd. It's like a clown car, but much smellier. On 1500 ESPN. This will be a warm-up segment for Matt Collar tomorrow. Matt Collar, Ben Gessling in for Mackie and Judd tomorrow, 9-1. to 1. Today it's Darren Doogie Wolfson, Joe Schmidt, 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department. Matt Collar covers the Vikings for 1500ESPN.com. And he joins the program now. Hello, Matthew. What's up? You tell me, were you in the Rick Spielman media gathering yesterday? I sure was, and boy, was that enlightening. <laughs> I mean, that's my point. I mean, there are some really boring executives in town, but he has to be right near the top, isn't he? Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. I, I haven't interviewed uh, as many as you on the Scoop podcast, uh, Doogie, but I... I would say that at this point with Teddy Bridgewater's situation, uh, Rick was trying to be particularly evasive because I don't think they want to commit to anything with Teddy until they're 100% sure that he's not only going to be able to be activated, but also be able to go in and play NFL football again. And so I don't think that Rick wanted to give any hints to when he might be coming back or what type of expectations we should have. And, of course, that was the biggest matter of the day. So, you know, the, the thing starts out, our media session with Spielman, of at least 10 minutes or more of, so when's Teddy coming back? <laughs> you know, And uh, basically uh, the answer was, is not being uh, given to us at, at this moment. But I, I think that everything is pointing toward 
Teddy Bridgewater coming back and playing at some point. I think it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to lift him uh, off of the physically unable to perform list because otherwise they would have to leave him there for the rest of the year and we wouldn't see him at all. It's just how far he is along in practice, only those who are watching practice know. And uh, in the NFL, uh, during the regular season, you get to watch the guys warm up, and then it's back to the media room. Uh, They close the practices. So if we were out there every day watching Teddy Bridgewater move around and throw, I think we would have a much better sense of how close he is, but we really don't. So we have to rely on what we hear, and Rick Spielman wasn't saying a whole lot about that. But, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I will be surprised if Teddy Bridgewater next week is not added to the 53-man roster. So then the question is, is it a matter of when, not if, Teddy takes snaps before this season is over? Uh, Yeah, I think so. I mean, this is a team that is in the driver's seat to win the division. That I mean, I wouldn't say anything is guaranteed because of what happened last year, but I don't see a way that they don't make the playoffs, even if Case Keenum starts the rest of the way. But your expectation is this team is not to just make the playoffs. It's to be a real contender. When you have a defense that is among the best, if not the best in the NFL, you've got a running game, you've got an offensive line, you've got weapons. Everything else is basically resolved except for the quarterback situation. And if Teddy Bridgewater was even 90% or 80% of what he was in 2015, I think he gives you a chance. I don't think you need uh, Aaron Rodgers with the rest of this team uh, to be a Super Bowl contender. I think what you need is a capable starting NFL quarterback. And Case Keenum, I mean, for all the credit he deserves for getting them to 6-2, and two, has shown us some of the weaknesses. Essentially, he has been just a game manager since that game against Tampa Bay and has done enough to not lose games. But as you go forward and want to show that you're a Super Bowl contender, I think you need a real quarterback in there, a real starting quarterback, and Bridgewater has that talent. Uh, so I, now figuring out when to bring him back I think is difficult. I don't know that they'll do it right after the bye, but you also have to get him and his feet wet, right? Like you've got to get him back to playing NFL football. So it, it's, a, it's a very, very tricky situation because of where they stand in the division and then just uh, when he could come back and then how well he's going to play when he does come back. Well, and the other thing, I was at that thing, too, with Spielman, and when they talk about their waiting as they continue to evaluate him, well, if he's that close, they're not quite sure whether he's going to come back or not. You've got eight weeks left of the season. If he's that close, you bring him back out. And and you're right. When when do they bring him back? How do they bring him back? Do they have him play a series or two? You know, at some point, they're going to find out. I think that they almost have to get the feel. They have to see how the season goes. If the weaknesses that Case Keenum has are all of a sudden exploited by other teams, you're going to see Teddy Bridgewater on the field earlier than rather later. Here's my question for you, because I think we've hammered this quarterback thing to death. Uh, My question is this. The running back situation, you know, last year you got Adrian Peterson, Hall of Fame running back. You can't gain any yards at all. This year, they revamped the offensive line. You've got Jarek McKinnon. When Delvin Cook goes down, all of a sudden you got McKinnon and a kind of a gimpy Latavius Murray to start the season. All of a sudden, they're gaining 100 yards a game. I mean, over 100 yards a game. It's pretty impressive to me how they put together a running game where last year they couldn't get anything going. Yeah, I think that really speaks to what the front office was able to do with the offensive line. Now, that was something Rick Spielman was willing to talk about. Shocker, right? The offensive line is way better, and he wants to tell us all about it. 
Um, but uh, it, it was really interesting to listen to him talk about how Pat Shermer and Mike Zimmer had a vision for what type of offensive linemen they wanted, and they went out and got those guys. And what you see from Alex Boone being cut and also with drafting Pat Elfline, bringing in Remmers and Reef, all of them are athletic and mobile, and they can get out on screen plays, and they can get out on outside zone runs that this team could not do in any way, shape, or form last year. And I had been a Jarek McKinnon believer and last year he didn't play very well, but when I went back and looked at it and looked at some of the numbers, there were so many times where he was just getting stuffed right up the middle as soon as he got the ball, and there was nothing he could really do. I think we're seeing his true talent. So what this Vikings team came into this year before they drafted Delvin Cook thinking that they were in decent shape, and I, I think they've proven that they were. Now, uh, what they're going to do there going forward, I'm not sure, because Jarek McKinnon is going to be a free agent after this year. Murray will still be under contract, but they can get out of that if they want to. And I think what we saw was that even though these two guys have done quite well, Delvin Cook is a guy that has potential to be one of the five best running backs in the NFL and play every down. So the future will be Delvin Cook. But what they've been able to do with McKinnon and Murray and this offensive line uh, has really been impressive. And usually when teams try to revamp their offensive line by signing guys, you end up with uh, your Matt Khalil's in Carolina, right? You end up with... Uh, signing a guy for way too much money who wasn't really that good. Uh, but in this case, Riley Reef has, has an argument for being the team's MVP through the first half. Uh, by the way, if you are were holding on to Andrew Luck in your fantasy football league, uh, you had a roster spot that didn't do you any good. They just put him on IR for the rest of the season, the Colts did. Um, I want to just kind of follow up a little bit. The one nice thing about having that athletic offensive line and having a guy like McKinnon is the screen pass comes into play for the Vikings. The Vikings can now run a screen pass, which is something they could not do last year. And McKinnon is very good at reading those blocks. And because the line is athletic, they get out there and they can knock a guy down or at least get in somebody's way. Yeah, and it's amazing how one thing impacts the next thing and everything builds off the offensive line because last year uh, McKinnon was basically a check-down option and that's all he could do in the passing game. And now he's averaging over eight yards of reception, and we've seen a number of explosive plays that have come out of that screen game, which all ties back into Case Keenum and surviving this stretch of games where you have to play a backup quarterback. It also might help Teddy Bridgewater quite a bit for his confidence when he comes back. You know, just uh, yesterday for a piece that I posted today at, at 1500ESPN.com, I was watching back some Teddy Bridgewater film, and that 2015 offensive line was just as bad as 2016. I mean, it was really awful. And he would be coming into a situation that is much, much better than the last one that he had. So maybe you're not asking as much of him because you do have those screen passes available and you do have a, an impressive run game available and, and a good offensive line. That, and some weapons, too, with Thielen and Diggs that maybe you didn't have at the same level uh, that you did before. And the screen game is kind of where that all starts. Has Riley Reef's brilliance surprised you? I mean, did you think he had this in him, Matthew? I mean, hey, let's not forget. I mean, they swung and missed on Russell Okung. There definitely was some dialogue. I don't know how far it got, but there was some dialogue about re-signing Matt Khalil. It's not like Riley Reef was Rick Spielman's top choice at left tackle, but he certainly lucked out signing Riley Reef. Uh, yeah, and I think part of that was that the Lions drafted Taylor Decker and put him at left tackle, and Reef last year spent the whole season at right tackle, 
and was playing through an injury, so his play suffered a little bit, but his 2015 tape was much better at left tackle, which does make you wonder why the Lions picked Taylor Decker, but I think part of that was uh, salary cap-related because they knew that they weren't going to be able to pay Riley Reef a big salary knowing that they were going to have to give uh, Matthew Stafford $130 million. So I think that that was more of why they made that decision than just about his play. But moving him back to, to left tackle, I, I think that's clearly where he's the most comfortable. And, you know, you've got a little mobility at the quarterback position, which might help a little. The West Coast offense helps a little. Uh, but the one thing I didn't know about Riley Reef, I thought he was basically an average player. But the one thing I didn't know about him was the character part that they made him a captain immediately. Uh, he is a guy who's just lauded in the locker room for being one of the toughest guys out there, somebody who plays through every whistle, never stops. And I, I think that's brought kind of a different character and attitude to the offensive line that certainly has not existed over the last couple of years. The Lions did sign Rick Wagner, so I think the Lions made the determination, okay, we've got Decker at left tackle. We can do better than Riley Reef at right tackle. Let's go get this great player from the Ravens. So they gave Wagner all that money, but yeah, I mean, credit to the Vikings for, for getting Riley Reef, putting him at left tackle, and him playing at a really high level. All right, Matthew, I'm on 1500ESPN.com. You have a story from yesterday. Statistically speaking, are the Vikings a Super Bowl contender? I'll have you answer that question. Uh, just read the article, and then no, I'm just kidding. Um, I think at this point they are hovering around it. Yes, I would not call them the strongest team in the NFC at this point. I think that's either Philadelphia or the New Orleans Saints, who have been a completely different team since the Vikings beat their face in uh, in, in Week One. They've been much much better, especially on defense, and of course they still have Drew Brees. Uh, but I think the Vikings are in the conversation from every stat that you look at. Uh, you know, they're one of the better offenses. They're one of the better defenses. They have not had the toughest strength of schedule. And that's where I would put the brakes on a little bit uh, with some things, especially on defense. Uh, Trey Wayans has really turned it around, but is it going to stay that good? Uh, Terrence Newman at age 39 has been really good as the slot corner. Is he going to stay at that level when they start to face uh, better quarterbacks in the second half of the season? But I think everything we've seen through eight games – I would put them in the conversation. I would not say they're one of the three best teams in the league, but they're probably right behind those best teams. Thank you, Matthew. Enjoy tomorrow. Thank you. That's the voice of Matthew Collar, Vikings analyst, 1500ESPN.com. It's him. It's Ben Gessling filling in for Mackie and Judd tomorrow, 9-1. to 1. When we come back, Joe Schmidt has some final thoughts he needs to spew out, some things he needs to get off his chest, so we'll do that next. It's Schmidt. It's Wolfson. We're in for Mackie and Judd on 1500ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, let's not scare the children. On 1500 ESPN. WWE 2K18 is out now and back in action with an all-new graphics engine blurring the line between video games and reality. WWE 2K18 and cover star Seth Rollins challenge you to be like no one with the most comprehensive creation suite yet. WWE 2K18 from 2K. Get it now on all major platforms. It's rated T for teen, and you can win your copy right now on the 1500 ESPN stream player. If you have T.Y. Hilton on your fantasy football team, quickly sell him before everybody else in your league realizes Andrew Luck is officially out for the year. Get whatever you can for T.Y. Hilton. I think it was almost inevitable over the last handful of weeks that we would find out Andrew Luck is out for the year for the Colts but it is now official he was placed on injured reserve. All right, Joe, talk me off the ledge. Why do I have a bad feeling 
early to mid-January, Blair Walsh and the Seattle Seahawks come into U.S. <laughs> Bank Stadium, and Blair Walsh kicks a game-winning field goal. The Seahawks eliminate the Vikings from the playoffs. Yeah, and make it the same yardage that he missed at last year. What was it, 31 yards? A couple years ago, yeah. 30, no, it was like 22 yards, wasn't it? <laughs> it, was, it was a chip shot. <laughs> it was It was bad. Well, um, you know, it's interesting when Matthew Collar mentioned the NFC teams, he said New Orleans and he said Philadelphia. I thought he missed on Seattle. I mean, I don't think when you see Seattle, their, their defense is not as good as it used to be, but they still have Russell Wilson, and he can do some things, and he can make some plays. And I, I, um, I like Seattle yet. I don't think you can take them out of the equation. I think because of Wilson, you look at Seattle and you say, you know what? I'd rather not play them in January. Right, right. right. I mean, you would rather play. I mean, would you rather play Carolina? I suppose you'd rather play Carolina. Heck, yeah. would you rather play Philadelphia? Yeah, I mean, I think you'd the Rams. Rather, you'd rather play the Rams, wouldn't you? You'd rather play New Orleans, I think. I mean, with the yeah. Vikings defense, you know what they did there. Here's what I did want to talk about something because we haven't hit it. Well, good, because um, we have five minutes to kill. Okay, Tiger Woods is making another comeback, and it hardly registered on the Richter scale in sports because this is just another comeback. Now it's been ten months since he's played, but he actually had the back surgery. And I've been reading about it a little bit. I am starting to wonder if Tiger is going to kind of fool us all and and make this comeback. Obviously, he won't be as dominant as he was once before. But I think that he actually can get out and compete. He's only 41 years old. And he's a smart guy. Is he smart enough to realize he's got to change his swing? You know, um, Hank Haney, who was his ex-coach, must have seen something, but he said, don't count Tiger out yet. And I just started thinking, if that's the case, wouldn't that be amazing for golf? Be a does, heck of a story. It would be, but does ego get in the way of smarts? Like, he might think I need to change my swing, but with Tiger's ego, will he say, nah, I've been doing it this way, I'm not changing my swing. All right, yes or no, will he win another major? You really that, have to that, think about that? I do have to think about that. All right. I do have to think about that. I mean, you follow it closer than I do. I mean, my initial thought is no, he's never winning another major. Well, I you know, I know that the, the game has changed and you've got a lot of flat bellies out there who now can hit it further than Tiger ever could hit it. But but um, you know, he is he's so competitive and he's such a good uh he's he's he thinks about the game and strategizes about the game. Uh, he impressed me when when you get down to the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup, nobody said a bad word about Tiger. They were all so impressed at what, a, what kind of teammate he became in a kind of a coaching role. And uh, Feinstein, did he talk to you at all about that when you he talked He did, yeah. I mean, heck, he couldn't get a one-on-one with Tiger Woods for his book. I mean, heck, when's the last time Tiger Woods did a one-on-one interview? I you tried know, to so get one That's not anti-John Feinstein, but John talked to a number of people. Yeah, I mean, we all tried. Heck, best of luck. But no, John got, talked to a number of down, guys. Though. I at least got turned oh, down. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. But yeah, John talked to Davis Love the Third. He talked to Tom Lehman, Scott Stricker, you know, Dustin Johnson, all the guys. And yeah, to a man, they said Tiger was this fantastic vice captain. Who would have guessed? Yeah, who would have guessed? Because uh, you know, but I remember one time Sports Illustrated did a uh, you know when they every year before the golf season uh, starts they do this anonymous poll, and the question was to to like a hundred pro golfers, who would you rather have a beer with, Tiger Woods or Phil Mickelson? And it was like ninety ten Tiger Woods. Was it really? Yeah, yeah. Phil Phil rubs some people the wrong way. But he also embraces the young generation, puts them under his wings in many ways. At least that's what Feinstein was telling me. Oh, Phil? That Sergio, Sergio might say, give me Tiger. Sergio doesn't think anything of Phil Mickelson. Sergio can't stand Phil Mickelson. 
But I would have guessed it would have been 90-10 Phil Mickelson. That's what everybody would have guessed, but it was just the opposite way. Hmm. It was just the opposite way. So I like, you know, Royce used to think that whenever Phil, Phil hasn't won a tournament in a while, but Phil would always rent his family to come out with the beautiful wife and the beautiful kids to come out. He used to think he'd rented a family. <laughs> uh, you know what, though? I'd rent Amy Mickelson, too. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Give me Amy Mickelson. So what are you implying there? I don't know what I'm implying, Joe, but the beauty is we're up against the clock and we're done, so I don't need to say what I'm implying. How about that? That sounds good. Thank you, Joe. Dave Harrigan, thank you so much. We appreciate it. For Joe Schmidt, I'm Darren Doogie Wolfson signing off. Whether it's Fred Meyer, Simple Truth Turkey, or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Fred Meyer has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Did you know Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what did we learn along the way? Well, that an EV can take on the world, like the Nissan LEAF. It can move racing forward and take your breath away, like the all-new Nissan Aria. We learned to make EVs that electrify. 8 billion miles driven by LEAF owners globally since 2010. Aria not yet available for purchase. Expected availability late fall. Subject to change.